right on. Last week we started this series called We Church, Not Me Church, and we talked specifically uh, about reaching kids, and we had baby dedication, and uh, I think we had like 15 uh, little kids uh, dedicated on that day, and so we talked a lot about how um, it's our job as a church, it's our um, responsibility, but it's also our privilege to be people who teach the next generation about the things of God. We don't just tell them, we teach them. We go along and we show them what it is to live uh, a God-first life. And so we talked a lot about that. And then today, uh, I want to talk a little bit more specifically about what the church faces. Like, what is the condition of the church? How many you know you can turn on the TV or listen to the radio, and you can just see a lot of things in chaos, and uh, you can see all this different stuff going on. But, but what about the church? Where's the ch- what's the condition of the church? What is the church's uh, part to play? And I think uh, for us to, to talk about the church and being a we church, Uh, we first need to look at, you know, the health of the church and what God thinks about the church and its position in our community. And so uh, for me, the one thing that uh, I'm excited about is I could make this a six-hour sermon. I've given my whole life to the church. Uh, I grew up in the church. And so with that, uh, that means that there are things that I grew to hate about the church. Like many of you, there's things that uh, were a, a major turnoff for you and things that maybe even turned you away from the church. But growing up in church, there was also things that I discovered as the beauty of the church, the brilliance of the church, the the things that literally helped shape me and change directions in my life and save me from things uh, because the church was a part of my life. And so uh, all of you know, uh, you know, I feel pretty well qualified to talk about the church uh, because my wife and I, as you know, almost three years ago, we literally gave up everything to start a church. And uh, that would be pretty silly if you were somebody who was like, hey, we're giving up everything to start this, but we don't really believe in it, right? Uh, we, we literally gave everything, and we believe with everything in us that the hope of the world, as Bill Heibel says, uh, is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ, the church doing a work in our communities, is the hope that we have in this world to see our communities transformed, amen? Uh, we gave everything, and, and so my, you know, my wife is a, a, a decorator. She loves to decorate things. And she goes to Hobby Lobby and all these other places, and we decorate everything. As soon as everything is decorated, then you know what you do, right? Right, you take it all down, and you have to redecorate. And it's not good enough anymore. So she's just, her heart, she loves decorating. Everything is decorated. If They're not written rules, but they're those marriage rules that, like, if I put things in certain places, car keys, different things in certain places, you know, I might as well just not even, like, come back home from work the next day. Because she, she just loves decorating, and I'm exaggerating, obviously, you all know. But, but listen, here's how much she loves the church. We literally, before we came here, before we came here to start this church, we did a Craigslist listing at the home to come here. So to be able to come do this, the sacrifices we had to make, and I'm not trying to put ourselves on a pedestal. I'm just trying to get you to see, uh, I'm not like trying to give you a Bible school sermon. I'm not trying to give you like a good uh, thing that I read that I want you to understand. I'm saying like, this is our life lived out. This is how much we believe in it because like we laid ourselves on the altar for this, how much I believe in the church. Amen. So we did this Craigslist listing and literally the listing went like this. Everything is for sale. You can come to our house and literally buy things off our walls. And think about that as a woman who loves decorating. Here comes strange people like, I want that, and I want that, all these things. We gave everything. Now, like for me as the husband, like I was sad when I saw my lawnmower like driving away in someone else's trailer. It's like, oh, my lawnmower. But like we gave everything for the church. 
Why? Because we believe in the local church. Amen? Are you with me? And so when I talk about these things, it's not to manipulate you for a vertical church. It's not to manipulate you for a denomination or a type thing. It's because this is what we believe is what our world needs. Amen? So there's significant challenges facing the church. If we don't address these things, we could see the destruction of church. If we don't address these issues, the local church could dissolve. Many of you know the statistics about the decline in church attendance and people calling and connecting themselves as someone who participates in local church. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a study out there uh, done by the Barner Research Group uh, that categorizes people who say uh, their connection to or their religious affiliation. And uh, there's a new category now called none. So what is your connection to uh, religion or to God? And they've literally had to make a category that now says none. I have none. And I'm okay saying that. Before somebody used to say, well, we're Catholic. Maybe they didn't practice going to church or we'd say, hey, we're Baptist. Or They would at least give a type that they are. Now people are just comfortable saying, well, we're none. Not a nun, none. And, uh, and so they just say, well, none, there's this whole category. And you know what's sad? It's also the fastest growing category in these researches of, hey, we just don't have a vital connection anymore. And if you could describe it, we could describe it in one simple word. What we see is we see disengagement. What we've seen happen between our communities and our churches is people have become unengaged with the body of Christ. And think about it. You know, when you first get engaged, or let's say maybe you first get saved, or you first start coming to a church, it's like when you first get engaged. Everything is amazing. Everything is amazing. You take a walk out to get the mail, and it was just like a love story, right? We, spent, you know, you're, oh, we went to get the mail together. Now you fight about who's getting the mail or didn't get the mail, right? What happens over time, because we let things get uh, sort of stagnant, you can become disengaged, and uh, what you have to do as a married couple, and it's the same thing as people connected to the body of Christ, what do we have to do? We have to be intentional about staying engaged and connected to the body of Christ, amen? Because here's the biggest problem. When you're disconnected from the body, things that are disconnected from the body die. My pitch to you would be, it's not okay to be disconnected. It's not okay to be disengaged. Why? Because if I were to cut off my hand or cut off this, whenever you live in isolation or disconnection, that's when we see die, people die. Anytime we see decline in, in relationships or a marriage or something, we can always look back to, well, this is the point where we started to become disengaged or we let ourselves get into isolation or we stop being a part of what community and then uh, damage happens. Amen. Excuse me. Still getting over a little cough. I was making jokes last week as I coughed. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quitting smoking. And I was joking. And then people sent me stuff about how to quit smoking. Like, this, this helped me. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, I was kidding, but okay. <laughs> file that uh, in your file. Uh, but engagement is a big deal. Uh, engagement is a huge deal. And we become disengaged when we let things cause us to drift apart or we let other things become priorities or we let distractions and selfishness creep in, those are how we become disconnected. Uh, and the thing is, even Jesus was so serious about our engagement that he said in his commandments to us, hey, make sure you set aside a day that is for me and for rest. Stay engaged. 
It's literally a command that we have from God. And it's, hey, make sure you make it priority to stay engaged with me and with others and make sure you have rest. And so Kerry Newhoff is this guy that I listen to. He has this podcast and he wrote this really incredible blog. They did a lot of research on why people become disengaged and in church. And uh, this isn't really one of my more like preachy type sermons. This is going to be a little more point driven, but I really want us as a church, especially as we look at finishing up our third year and kind of protecting our values. Um, I want us to really kind of look at these in our life and, and see uh, where this fits with us. And so he wrote uh, 10 unfortunate reasons people have decided to disengage from the body of Christ. I'm not going to do all 10, but I picked a few. Number one is this, and I want us to consider this in our life. Number one uh, that he put down is affluence. Uh, people, there's, just, there's people that have more options. There's more things that they can do. People have more money. Uh, we see it all the time. Uh, people have more options. They're just more affluent. There's more things that they can participate in. And so uh, you used to go on one vacation. You remember when you grow up, you would say to uh, somebody, family, you'd say, hey, what, what, what are you doing for vacation this year? And you would do one. And I'm not against vacations. We take vacations. As a matter of fact, Next week, we're going to be at Disneyland, and, uh, but I'm not going to miss church somewhere. Amen? And, uh, but there's all these options. There's all these things. There's all this stuff going on. And so we just, well, there's multiple uh, vacations. There's Netflix. There's all of these things that we can just be more kind of loosey, engaged in participating and cause us to become disengaged from the body. I wonder if that's why Mark chapter 10, verse 25 says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I heard one person uh, preach a sermon that says, who is rich to understand the kingdom of God, to get the ways of God, to comprehend the ways of God. So what it's saying, someone who's rich has all these things pulling on them. It's all of these things that would cause them to be distracted and all of these, it's easier. And so they're saying, you gotta protect yourself from these things. And I put this down, stuff or options a lot of times means a mix-up in our priorities. Well, we couldn't do that because we just have this. Or we couldn't, uh, I can't really that because this. And all of these things are a big part of our life that are causing us to disengage from the body. Amen? So we got to protect against that. Number two, one thing that they put down is a higher focus on kids' activities. Families just have a much higher focus on the things that their kids are participating in. Now, you guys know, uh, I'm the number one cheerleader for our kids, uh, and we preached about it last week. We love kids' ministry and seeing our kids raised up. We're all about that. But if it's at the cost of disconnecting you from the body, things that your kids are involved in, then that's an issue. You remember this? Uh, when I played sports growing up, you know what we didn't have? <clears throat> Excuse me. We didn't have anything on Sunday, and we even didn't have anything on Wednesday. We just had those off because they were usually church activity. They were, but now our culture has just driven us to be involved in things. Soccer teams go away for weekends and t-ball teams go away for weekends. You have all the, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But if it's pulling us away, there's a lie that's crept into this generation that says that we're believing that it's our job to make sure that our kids get everything that they want. How many of you see that, right? You look around your neighborhood and we've just believed this idea that it's the most important thing we do is to make sure that our kids get everything that they want. Listen, your job is to introduce your kids to a relationship with God. That is your job. And that is the most important thing that you should be seeking after. Listen, my daughter, she's in dance. She's in swimming. She's in all kinds of things. Those things are amazing. 
but it will never get in the way, not just because I'm the pastor, of making sure she's connected with her other peers at the body of Christ. Amen? How can someone who has been raised to make church a non-priority make God a priority in their adult life? We have to lead the way as adults saying, hey, uh, kid, you know, your activities are important. We want you to be involved in things. But we need to set an example for you at a young age that the house of God is an importance in our life. Amen? Uh, why is it important? Think about this. We have to build it from a generational level. Uh, think about this. Uh, right now, statistically, uh, Ed Stetzer says in his research that if every church facility So every single one, that means a school, a movie theater, uh, a rented storefront, anything like that. If every single building that considers themselves to be a church building, so something even like this, uh, if all of them held, all of a sudden right now, next Sunday, turned to three services a week. So all of them up to offering three services a week. If every single one of them uh, offered three services a week, we would still turn away half of the 300 million Americans who are here in America because the church is not built to reach the harvest. That's an issue. So we have to think long-term. Generationally, it's important for our kids to get an understanding about the house of God. Why? Because we have a lot of work to do. And our scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need to start thinking generationally. Amen? So we, we just have to make sure uh, that we show our kids how to contribute to the way of God. We can't let their activities overrun. I thought about it like this. If you're too busy to be in church most weekends, then you're too busy. Can we just be real about it? Like if, if you're too busy to be in church most weekends, and it's not because we, we want a high church attendance. We're actually going to talk about that in a minute. What we want is engagement. We want to see your life uh, lived out the way God called it to. We'll talk about it a little bit more. Here, check out this statistic. If you came to church every week, uh, never missed, and you were here for the whole time, that's 52 hours in a year. Especially think about this when it comes to your kids. We have about a one-hour service that your kid or you participate in, so 52 hours. Uh, They say socially and statistically, uh, people, including our teenagers, spend 55 hours a week in front of a screen. Computer screen, tablet, iPhone, social media. So if you're coming every single week, in one week, culture can outweigh what the church does. It's vital that we get here and be connected and lead the way with different things. That's why I love our curriculum called Orange. Your kids ministry, when you get that little flyer when you leave today and it tells you some things that you can do at home and you can click like on our vertical kids page on Facebook and uh, there's blogs that are on there, there's videos that are on there. Why? Because it takes more than just the one hour at church. It takes the church and home working together to raise up a generation and make a difference. Amen? So we got to just have the right priorities with our kids. Number three, a huge thing that has caused disengagement uh, from the body is online options. You just heard me mention a couple uh, minutes ago, uh, we, we love that we can offer our services. We love that you can keep up. Uh, but the idea is not for that to be a replacement to your connection with the body. Yeah. Amen. Uh, we love that you can, you know, be gone and <clears throat> keep up and listen and all that kind of stuff. But that is not meant to replace. And here's the thing. If watching a church or listening to a sermon replaces your Sunday morning experience, then you've been having the wrong Sunday morning experience for a long time. You've been missing God's design for church for quite a while if you can just replace it with what you watch online. The scripture says, come together. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Why? So that we can build one another up and cheer each other on towards good works. 
I, I would love to tell you that uh, Sunday is about my preaching or it's about our worship, but it's not. It's about us looking one another in the eyes and saying, how are you doing? Really? Is there anything I can do for you? How can I help? What's going on? What's God doing in your life? It's about this way more than it's ever about this. And you don't get this when you watch a sermon online. I hate it when I hear people say, well, I just have my own church at home. Man, I'm sad for you. And I'm all about your own worship. I'm all about your own study. I'm all about all that. But if you're not getting this, the we church, then you've missed God's design for church in a big way. Amen. And so it's important for us to not forsake gathering together and being alongside one another. Point number four, uh, this is a big deal. People statistically say the reason they have disconnected from church is because uh, they don't see an immediate impact or benefit from church attendance. And uh, I'm the first one to sit here and say, I've sat through some bad, bad church services. (laughs) I've sat somewhere I could walk out of there saying, you know, certainly didn't benefit from that, right? Who's with me? Hopefully not here, right? Uh, But I I can identify with that. But if our culture has created us to be in a way that everything we do is gauged by immediate result, then we're going to miss it by a mile. Listen, anything worth, anything that matters, anything worth being a part of takes time and takes investment. We'll talk about it in a minute. Check out our generation. If I were to say to people in here right now, hey, how many of you in here have a cell phone that's older than five years old right now? Like really nobody. Okay, a couple of people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I could have guessed who they were too. <clears throat> um, that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying they're excited about it and they never text me back. So that's the reason. <laughs> But if I were to say, how many of you have a cell phone that's even three years? You would not be a lot of us. But then if we get to the contract age, two years, the moment you can get an immediate result on a new thing, a lot of us are in this two years. We're always turning over to the newest, the latest, the fastest. Give me the most immediate return. I just got this Apple Watch uh, last week, and it does this fitness tracking thing, which I hate fitness. You guys know that. Running is the devil. And... Um, and uh, and so anyway, it has all this tracking and it does all this stuff. And I'm not kidding you. You, you, you want to know what this thing does to our culture? I mean, I walk up the stairs and I get up to the stairs and I'm like, how many steps was that? Awesome. Like I want immediate results. I'm like, okay, good. Seven more. And then I look at what my wife did. And I'm like, does she even do anything all day? My wife has been sick. Listen, I'm covering her. She's been sick. Listen, she runs miles. She runs marathons. I watch Michigan games and eat nachos, okay? So we got these Apple watches and she's been sick. And so she's been sleeping and recovering, all this kind of stuff. And our first two days, this will never happen again in my life. I just need to brag about this. I beat her in the fitness things. And I was so happy to like jump on her while she was sick. Like, look at you doing nothing. Anyway, so I'm a terrible person. But online banking, instant. Our watches, instant. We want all of this immediate result. We want everything to be immediately. Listen to this, Apple, and I'm not against Apple, obviously. Apple right now has so much money uh, in its account. So it's, it's literally the fourth wealthiest country by its brand. That's how wealthy Apple is. Well, what does Apple sell? Apple sells results and fast and internet and technology, it, it, immediate benefit. It's all this quick, fast. And so our culture has just gotten so instant that in church, when it comes to something that we invest in and we give ourselves to, 
uh, we say, oh, I'm not interested. I didn't feel the immediate benefit from that. And so I'm going to disengage from that. But the scripture says we're called to hide the word in our heart and meditate on it, meaning spend lengthy time with the things of God in our lives. Not, oh, I came for an hour and I didn't get anything great, so I'm gonna just, no, it's something that we just continue to give ourselves over to and meditate on, amen? Anything significant has long-term routine disciplines. Our marriages, our savings accounts, our investments, our parenting, anything that is significant has a long-term routine to it and so does our engagement in the body of Christ, amen? We, amen? I'll close with this. We have to, we have to invest in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in our heart, who we are. You know, you can do nothing with your wife and be invested. It's like, oh, well, that was, you know, that was such a great night. We just, why? Because we are engaged. We are invested in it, one another. We weren't on a big honeymoon trip to a thing. It's just we knew that we were connected and we were invested in one another. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about your money and all your time. I'm saying be engaged with what God is doing in your community, amen? Number five, a big thing that people have done that we've done in the body of Christ is we've put too much value on our attendance over engagement. We've made this excuse that just says, well, I was there. I've attended, I've done my thing, I showed up. I was there instead of engaging. And I'm all about church attendance. You guys have even heard me say that we believe you know, that church attendance is a big deal. We, we go after church attendance. We want, we hate empty seats. We, we hate all that. Why? Because every number is a life. Every number represents a person. Every person matters to God. It's, it's that whole thing. We love that. We go after people. But more so than that, we aren't here to build a spectator sport in a place where we just come and get entertained. We want to build a place that, that we create engagement and we see people find their gifts. Amen. We need to stop attending and start engaging. What if we gauged things in our life just by what shows up? What if in our homes, the only meter that we had was that numbers were there? So we had a whole bunch of kids and we just filled up the house and everything was crazy and nobody engaged and nobody grew and nothing was better. And we just had all this stuff going on. That would be terrible. It'd be terrible of us. It'd be terrible stewardship. Well, too many churches are doing the same thing. They're just filling up these places and they're letting people live and do and kind of whatever they want. And they're not challenging people to find their gifts and discover their purpose and make an impact in their community. And it's just chaos is going, we want to be people who create a place where we see growth and engagement and connectivity. Why? Because that's when you live your most fulfilled, blessed, purposeful life. Amen. We need to start engaging. Here's why we sold everything to do this. Is because this week, I went up to Woodbridge, Woodbridge Elementary, right here in Zealand, beautiful, pure Michigan, West Coast, Michigan, whatever. And we went up there and the principal gave me a list of Kids Hope students who are awaiting mentors. Kids that qualify as needing academic one-on-one -on -one help. They need a mentor. And you know what, they're waiting. We got a church on every corner and they don't have mentors. So what is Vertical Church doing? We're getting aggressive and we're gonna get in there and we're gonna fill it. We're gonna make sure that every student in that school and all the other surrounding schools are gonna have mentors. Why? Because we wanna engage in our community. We don't just wanna attend church on a Sunday. 
We want to make a difference. Why else does it matter to me? Because right now, we said yes to providing groceries for kids who qualify in the schools. Academically, if they don't have food, they struggle in their learning. And so there's a great program called Hand to Hand. And the way that Hand to Hand works is you provide a meal for kids' families and you pack them their groceries and you drop it off at their locker and you send them home with it. Do you know that in one week we went from 17 kids to 126 that we're now gonna meet the need for? But this is West Michigan, pure Michigan. Why is there 126? Because we've been attending and not engaging in our communities. We need to engage. Do you know that I just met with a woman a couple weeks ago? And she has this ministry, which you're going to hear about coming up, called Hope Bags. And the way that they work is this. Right now in the foster system, in our net, when you hear me talk about our 30-mile radius that we pray for and believe for, there's 1,000 kids in the orphan system, meaning they don't have a long-term family. They don't have a lifetime family. 1,000. And she makes these bags because what happens to these kids is a crisis happens and they get taken out of a home and they show up at a doorstep of a stranger and they don't have anything. They don't have a blanket. They usually don't have their stuff. It was this quick thing. And so now they're at a stranger's house without their stuff. Imagine if your kid showed up at a stranger's house without their blankie, without their cup, without their thing, without, you know, all the stuff you got to do to keep your kids happy, right? No, not that cup, that cup. I need this. All this stuff we do, right? But could you imagine a little one showing up at a stranger's place after being a part of crisis and turmoil and trauma? And then all of a sudden they're at a new place and then they show up with nothing. They have no security. So this hope bag ministry builds these bags age specific so that when they show up there, we immediately show up there and we say, hey, here's your bag and it's got pajamas and it's got a teddy bear and it's got cups and it's got toys and it's got all that you need. Amen. But why is there a thousand of those that we have to make? Because we've been too busy attending and not engaging in the body of Christ. It's because we've let church attendance be something not as important as all the other things that were involved. We've been too affluent in all these other things. Amen? My philosophy is we already all know this. All of you, you're, you're here. You already all know this. But John Edwards, he was a part of a great revival called the Great Awakening. And he said this about the way that we connect and engage. He said this. He said, people know what they're supposed to do and people know what they're called to do. But it's head knowledge. Until it becomes desire, it doesn't make a difference. Any of us who've ever struggled with weight loss, we know we should, you know, a little bit more and lose a little bit more. But until it becomes a real desire, that's what he's talking about. The body of Christ needs to get a desire to engage and make a difference, not just have a head knowledge of it. Amen. We saw in Acts chapter two, the explosion of the church. And these things were said about it. 50 days after Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter is describing in verse 41 how they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship and to communion or breaking of bread and prayer. And then the scripture says, many signs and wonders followed. What did the many signs and wonders follow? Engagement with one another. It doesn't describe attendance. It describes how we engaged with one another. We were the we church, not the me church. Amen. And so that's how signs and wonders follow. That's how God pours out. And the scripture says that the, that the Lord added to their number daily. So how do we do it? First Corinthians 9, 19. 
It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. One translation says, for though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win as many as possible. My prayer about this church and your life is that we be a people who say, I could kind of attend here a little, there a little. I could be just a spectator. I could be a, because I'm free to do that. But instead, I'm going to choose to be a person who serves so that we can win as many as possible. What if on a Sunday morning, your only job was when you got up to kids ministry? Man, we got so many people serving in kids ministry. It's amazing. What if we were so packed, so staffed, so full that it was like, hey, you know what? We're so well taken care of up here. We have so many people that have decided, you know, I could be free, but instead I'm going to serve people. So your job today was, hey, see this Hot Wheel car? Go spend time with that little guy. He's got a rough situation right now. Doesn't really have a good father figure in his life. Why don't you go be a great father figure to him? Why don't you show him that what a man of God looks like? You tear that hot wheel up. That's all you got to do today. What if we could meet single moms in the parking lot with an umbrella and say, hey, let me help with the diaper bag. Let me help you with the stroller. You know how hard it is as, as parents to get our kids out of the car, let alone a single mom with diapers and all stuff and trying to what if we could say, oh, hey, uh, you know, we're here for you. Let me help you come in. Make sure you get checked in. Did you get your coffee yet? Because they're, think of the effort to get here. They're, they're really just limping to the finish line to just be here. What if we could be, oh, I know I could kind of be a little bit, but instead I'm choosing to serve because I want to meet the need. What if somebody came through these doors and said, literally, I'm suicidal, but I'm going to try one more thing and I'm going to go to that church and we meet them at the doors and we love on them and we make a connection with them and we ask them to lunch and we say, hey, we engage with them. What if we were that? Amen. You have the right to be free, but let's choose to serve so we can reach as many as possible. Amen. My last thought is this. We've all been given gifts. And we suffer when we don't work our gifts together. We struggle when we don't work our gifts together. Think about it like this. For any of you who's ever moved out of a house, you go to buy the house and it works like this. Ooh, square footage and this shower, that's gonna be a great shower. And I like where the sinks are and you know, this garage and uh, you know, it's this and but the layout of the backyard. And you come in with all your needs and your desires and your strategies for the house. But after you spend time there and it's time to move or you look back, if you've ever moved out, when you leave a house, if you've ever moved out of a house, you look at that room and you go, ah, oh, that's where we read stories with the kids. Oh, that's where we got the phone call. That's where I found out we were pregnant. That's where this, that's where that's. All of a sudden the house becomes about the moments instead of about what you get. So when you leave a house, your memories aren't about, well, that shower, we nailed it when we picked this house with that shower. Oh, that square footage, it was really what we needed. We really got it. It's the same thing in the house of God. You may come because you like the lie, you like the thing, you like the, but if you stay and you engage, what you'll grow to love about the house of God is what happens in the house of God with each other. That and that and that. 
Oh, I love that about that. Amen? So for us, we got to be the we church. We got to be people who, who make it about, I'm going to stick in this. I'm going to engage in this. I'm going to make myself a servant to others. Why? So that stories of miracles can be birthed. So that we can look back and go that, 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 and that. Amen?